Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, it says that I'm uh, that I'm live, so we're gonna get rolling here. Um, good evening, everybody. I don't know if anybody's watching live yet. Um, getting started a little late. Had a change of plans. <laughs> uh, we were scheduled to have I was scheduled to have Shane Hazel on uh, tonight, and he had a little bit of issues with his internet. I guess like a dump truck uh, came in and. Okay, came by his like neighborhood and knocked down a bunch of internet lines, and so um, he's unfortunately unable to make it. So uh, pushed it back a little bit. I got uh, Caleb uh, Brown of the uh, the Catholic Libertarian coming to join me a little bit. He's having some technical difficulties too. It's it's one of those uh, one of those nights apparently. Um, actually, there's Caleb right now. Let me add him in. Hey, there we go. I was like, not again. Like there's something with this night. Everybody I'm trying to, to get on with is uh <laughs> This is the second time it's happened me. today. I was on my computer and all the power went out. Watch the music you live and all the power just like kicked. <laughs> Came back on, internet wasn't working. I finally got out of work at like eight. I'm ready to go. You send you start the video and then boom, whole PC resets. <laughs> Gotta love yeah. it. Yeah, that, that happened to me last week. Um, I went to go uh, on with Reed, and as I went on with Reed, suddenly, uh, like I went to go tur- like get on my computer, and it went through like the stupid "must restart Windows now" and install updates. I was like, "No, yeah, it's the worst Ooh. time." All right, and so I'm gonna... of of uh, Nick Astley on fake Italians. I have to wear the back <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> oh god, I look like a, I look like such a douche bag, but. No, it's screw it. <laughs> I have to. Well, I mean, that's kind of the point, right? Yes, that's yes. sort of the point. <laughs> I think. I think if Nick actually were here, he would say, "Well, I mean, yeah, that's that was that was my goal was to look like a douchebag." And it. Oh, that video was that video was amazing. That was that was. I, I haven't laughed amazing. so hard in a long time, dude. <sighs> Like <laughs> I was laughing my ass off. It was amazing. When 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 Zoss was missed, just walked in there like, "What up, we Todd's? Oh, it's beautiful." Is <laughs> I was like, "There's no." They were like sending Josh. They're like, "There's no way he's not gonna get on. He's not gonna get on." He gets on like, "Oh my god!" And, and that like whatever that cat thing was was like, Zoss won't show up because I'm here." Like, yeah, like Zoss is scared of you. <laughs> yeah, that's um... scared of dealing with you to a video video link. Come on. Yeah, that's Chris. Uh... Uh, Al- Alderson, Alderson. I don't, I don't actually know how to pronounce his last name. Um, I don't care to learn. <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting fella, or uh, yeah. how, however they want to go by a cat. Interesting, interesting feline. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. It, it gets it gets so difficult trying to uh, not offend people. Yeah. I don't I don't want to upset people, but uh, if if 
if you make people tiptoe around you, it's just a little, I don't know, might, you, you might have standards that are a little bit above what are reasonable. So I, we're doing a little bit of a impromptu weird show tonight. Um, uh, I don't know if anybody else is going to join us, but I figured, hey, why not? If there's anybody up late, they want to they want to jump in for five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, whatever. Um, you know, we'll we'll do it. So I'm going to post the link in the uh, uh, comments of everywhere I've shared it, and if anybody wants to join in, they will be free to do so. Um, is that a new mic setup? I don't recognize it. The uh, that thing behind it. What is that? Yeah, exactly? I got this um this foam uh, sound uh, insulator to go right behind the mm. mic to try to uh, cut back on some of the echoing and to mm. and you know just s- slowly trying to upgrade the uh, the quality of the podcast. That's not yeah, good. I, I recently did the same thing. I got myself a. Uh, we don't look at the mess because I didn't have time to clean beforehand. I got myself one of those uh, crane looking ones. Okay. Is I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I, I got I gotta give a pay. I got a whole month. I got a, the next month in August. I literally have every weekend uh, booked for a podcast. Every weekend. Yeah, I, recording. It's insane. Yeah, I have. I have. Uh, July pretty much filled the rest up, and August is already starting to starting to get there. So all right, share that. I'm here. excited. I got a. I got Scott Horton coming on to talk Star Wars prequels. You got it's gonna be. You got Scott Horton. Yeah, I got Scott Holden to come on and talk Star Wars prequels. That's gonna be really fun. good about going on. I just like I could invite him on. He seems really like good about like going on everybody's podcasts. I just I don't know. I, I just I want to bring him on, but like like you found an inter- interesting angle to bring him on to talk about Star Wars. I want to bring him on, but not just like hey, let's have Scott do his like normal thing he's done, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred times. I want to bring him on yeah. to do something, you know, a, a little bit unique. He's already yeah. been on the Bad Roman podcast to kind of talk about that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Christian side of things. I'll probably reach out at some point. I got to meet Scott at uh, the Pennsylvania convention. We got to hang out nice. and stuff. That was cool. Nice. Yeah, I actually wasn't going to try to get him. Like, I knew he lo- loved Star Wars, but I'm like, ah, he's too big of a name, not going to try. And then someone tagged him, and he's like, I want the prequels. So I'm like, okay, I ain't going to say no. <laughs> you know, if you want yeah. the prequels, you get the prequels. Just, just got on. So... Um, <laughs> I mean, there's I there's some excited. interesting stuff there to talk about. I mean, it's yeah. you know, not, everybody hates on the prequels. I mean, compared to not... the new trilogy, I mean, come on. What compared to the uh, sequel trilogy? It's I don't know. See, I, I think on the surface, I like the the sequel trilogy more than the prequel trilogy. But it's like the more I look at them, there's more. I mean, th- there's some nostalgia and rose-colored. <laughs> you said that. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is over. I'm out. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm not saying the sequel trilogy was great, but I, I'm not as much of a hater of it as, as other mm. people are, I guess, is what it comes down to. I mean, so. really, besides Kylo Ren as a character and the whole Ben Solo and the whole arc of him being bad to good, what could have been handled so much better. Like, that's the thing about, like, the things they did are cool. They just didn't do them well. <laughs> You know, like if they if they nailed the dark side, like light the dark back to light again with Kylo Ren's character, would have been phenomenal. But I just felt like they missed the beats, and probably because they had three different directors or two different directors, but they hired three different directors. You know, so I'm sure that wasn't really easy for them. Yeah, I mean, 
that that was probably what made it the most messy was the fact that they they did it that way because it almost felt like the what was the one in the middle the uh the the last Last Jedi. Jedi. It just it's this weird movie that just like I mean the Force Awakens I think was a good uh good starting point. And then there's a lot about the uh, the rise of Skywalker that I like, but it's just the too much of that movie is spent cleaning up from the mess that the last Jedi made. And so, like, I feel like JJ uh, did the best he could, but it was just too tall a task. And so it like really hopeful beginning. And then the middle movie is just like, whoa, it's just this giant mess. And then the last movie is like better, but it's dealing with the giant mess and so you can't help but be distracted by the fact that it's kind of like you know mm-hmm. trying to tie up all these loose ends yeah i i, I said when i walked out of cedar if they made episode uh nine three hours long or made a nine and a ten it could have really saved the whole trilogy the whole series i think if he had the time to really like make it, it and work with they it. could have done like a harry potter or uh mm-hmm. or um you know, I think Twilight. Uh, I think the new thing yeah. nowadays when you have a trilogy is to make the last one two parts. They could have made yeah. episode nine in two parts. It would yeah. have been a little unconventional, but it probably would have been better. I don't yeah. know. Like, it, it definitely it, would it, be um, It's just I'm more entertained watching the sequel trilogy. The prequel mm-hmm. trilogy movies are like uh, the whole time. Like, like the first movie is like. Okay, falling asleep. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a 30 second lightsaber fight. And no, back to sleep does, again. Does anything in the sequel trilogy even compare to Revenge of the Sith? I mean, like, Revenge of the Sith, for all the prequels' problems, Revenge of the Sith is so good. Is there anything in the prequels that come close to that movie? That's my whole thing. Like, for all the problems Attack of the Clone does, I skip that one every time. The prequels gave us the Clone Wars TV show, and it gave us um, Revenge of the Sith. And so, as bad as the first two are, Episode three might be the best or second best Star Wars movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the Clone Wars, like the series. The Clone Wars movie was so bad, it almost <laughs> overshadows the good parts of Revenge of the Sith. And Revenge of the Sith has some stuff that makes me not like it as much, too. So I don't know. It's it's all a mixed bag. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm having a bad allergy night for some mm. reason. Ah. So, all right. Well, I shared it out there. We'll see if uh, anybody decides to join in. Um, yeah, I was I was really surprised to see Josh and and Nick on Fakertarian. So I knew Nick was going on ahead of time, but I was mm-hmm. I was very surprised to see Josh Josh hop on. That was yeah, you know. And it's it's like that's not my style. Like if I go on, I've been on Fakertarian's podcast. If I were to go on again. I'm not the kind to sit there and, and curse people out and call them names and stuff, but I get why Josh is doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's real interesting, like being in these spheres and watching things go on because like, there's part of me that's like, you know, as a Christian, it's like, well, what's the most Christ like response in these situations? And that's kind of the standard I try to hold myself to, mm-hmm. but like, I can't hold other people, especially people who aren't Christians to that standard. Yeah. So like, it, you know, what I do or do I think that the best response to these people is to kind of do what Josh and Nick and others have done. Um, it's not what I would do, but I don't necessarily think that they're wrong in what they're doing. They're, they're just, they're, they're acting out on a different set of, you know, I, I guess a, a different, uh, you know, different set of, of, of values than I am. Mm-hmm. 
but um yeah that was and i just yeah i mean they're they're talking that the fakertarians uh john hudak wants to get me to come back on again sometime in august and he wants to discuss hoppa oh i love the, i love the the, the boogie the boogeyman um uh, so i'm gonna have to moves, so to speak i love that man i'm reading um Siri of uh, social capitalism right now, or well, listening to it. I mean, how anyone could just wipe this dude off because he he might have said one or two off-color things is like so. I mean, uh, I don't, anyone who wipes off uh, intellectual because they said one or two bad things, it's like what you don't read Bakunin, you don't read uh, the anarcho communist guy because he was a commie. It's like, no, no, you should read him because he's awesome and has some awesome quotes. Like, he had this great quote, um. When someone is being beat with a stick, they are not happy if it's called the people stick. Like it's he was awesome, and the fact that he like went after Marx as a, as a commie, you know, it was uh, he's he's interesting. Um, and I got a guy coming on to talk uh, Hopper and about things Lysidius. I'm having the bow tie TikTok. Come on, we're going to talk Hopper Catholicism TikTok, and he's actually at the Mises U event right now, and so I'm a little zealous. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm excited. I have a I have a customer at my shop. I'm working on their vehicle, and the and they have a Mises University sticker on the back of their car. So mm-hmm. I got to bring that up when they pick up their vehicle. That <laughs> reminds me. Um, yeah, the um, you know, it's I, I have to brush up on, on my Hoppa. I need to reread Democracy of the God That Failed, and there's mm-hmm. another uh, one of his that I should I haven't read that I should. If I'm going to go on there and, and have a conversation mm-hmm. about him, I don't know. I, I don't even, I don't truly get the controversy. I mean, I think the most controversial things he said are regarding immigration and kind of like the net taxpayer argument and mm-hmm. the ideas of like, um, you know, maybe administering IQ tests to, to immigrants and stuff. And it's like, I don't agree with all that. Like, I don't, I don't agree with everything Hoppe said. But mm. that doesn't mean I can't find a lot of value in the things that he said mm. and that I would label him this like controversial, offensive figure just because yeah. of uh, some of the things that I I I disagree with. I mean, mm. the, the, the immigration issue seems to be a wedge issue of particular volatility in the libertarian world. Um, I mean, I've, I've always I mean, I haven't always, uh, you know, I've kind of been on both sides. I when I became a libertarian, I still leaned towards, we need some kind of border. Even mm-hmm. when I was like an ANCAP, I was like, okay, well, yeah, ideally abolish all borders. But until we get to that kind of society, we have to have some kind of border enforcement. That's kind of one of the last things that you should maybe remove government control over. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I listened to arguments from like Brian Kaplan and, and some others in the, in the Mises circles who made arguments about how like, well, the, uh, the power you give the state to enforce immigration is just too much of a give. Uh, if you wanted them to, you know, if you give the state the the power to enforce the, the immigration, uh, enforce the border in the hopes that their use of that power is going to be a check on them growing is sort of silly. You're like trusting yeah. the state to, to keep itself in check, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that the, yeah, and 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 the eco- the economic consequences and and the humanitarian consequences of, of immigration policies are just too great for for me to justify. Although I can, uh, 
you know, I can, I can appreciate where, where other people, uh, are coming from when, when they're not, you know, on the open borders position. I think it's a, uh, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a topic and it's in a, uh, a series of discussions that can be had in good faith. And we, we don't, we're not always going to agree uh, on that. I don't see a need to, to gatekeep who's libertarian and who isn't if they don't agree with me on immigration. I mean, to an extent, I mean, if someone's advocating, you know, dropping bombs on people, coming across the border or like mm-hmm. actual, like, you know, let's just open fire with, you know, AR 15s of people yeah. coming at the border. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a little bit too far down the authoritarian rabbit trail for me. But if you're, you know, advocating just like, well, I'm a minarchist or mm-hmm. I'm an anarchist, but just while a state exists, you know, rather than just completely open, have some kind of, you know, minimal regulation. Um, mm-hmm. Some people say kick it back to the states. You know, I mm-hmm. think that's a, a fair compromise if you could make it. I think the only, my only, like, I'm off open borders once we got with a welfare. That's really it. Like, if, as long as we have a welfare state that people can uh, pull from when they get in here, that's just bribing votes. And they're just importing votes. And I, I don't like this idea. Unless we're going to talk accelerationism, I don't like uh, either side of the party importing more and more votes. And it's legitimizing more and more of that power. And so, so that's my only we, um, argument I have against it. So should we, um, so, so let me counter you here. Should we limit the amount of children that Democratic voters have? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you, you know, see what I, I mean? mean? Like mandating abortions are probably the oh, best God. route we could take here. <laughs> I'm just saying, only if you, vote blue, two kids per limit. Just sign these policies. Caleb's like, oh, foot in mouth. Insert second foot in that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going full uh, like now. No, I see your point. I think I think that is a good I never it's a good point. Um but I think there's a difference between the natural progression of kids and uh, a specific uh, organization. Like keep in mind, Republicans don't want Mexicans importing in because they vote blue. Democrats do. If they start doing this uh, import thing, Republicans are trying to target people who vote for them. You know, they're gonna say, Well, what Republican country can we import from? And I just don't like this idea of um, bribing of votes goes from voting goes from we need to bribe our populace, we need to import more people into our country to vote our way. Uh, I have a, I can see the point like raising kids and stuff, but I think the natural progression of the family is different than uh, mass imports of like buying votes. But again, I've never really thought about the open border issue. Like, I've only spent five minutes on it, and I was just like, well, I have no power. I really don't care. But I guess now I'm doing podcasts, I gotta have more opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's it, it's not an issue again it's like it's not an issue that i'm gonna sit here and make a big big deal about but i i do think that there's a danger in like when you're trying like you're trying to achieve a libertarian outcome but you can you can uh fall into a trap where you're justifying and and arguing for authoritarianism to mm-hmm. to act to get to your um uh, libertarian and it's just like I don't know like any anytime someone's like we we need it, it, it sounds like statist arguments to me we just need the right mm. combination of authoritarianism to get to freedom it's like <laughs> uh, I don't I yeah. don't know about that <laughs> I never like those uh, arguments um, but... um, I, I don't know I don't I don't know what... <clears throat> I don't know what's open you are to this but I, I don't know anything about you what do you do for a living besides like uh, do the uh, uh, what do you do exactly I don't know anything about you if you wanted to say, I literally just sit here all. and do podcasts. <laughs> um, <sighs> so I work on 
in the automotive repair industry specializing in uh, transmission repair. So, um, you know, cars, trucks, SUVs, um, even like school buses and stuff, uh, police cars, uh, custom cars, race cars. Those ones as well. What's that? Well, when it comes to police car, I hope you like, okay, after six years, it just explode. It's just not any safety. <laughs> the guy's going to get away now. Like that'd be, do your part I, we, for the cause. We have the contract for my local county's police mm-hmm. car repairs for like their transmission repairs, but they're such, they're such cheap asses. They don't get anything fixed. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. That, that tracks. It's like, hold on. We got to fix the car. Let's go. Wops, let's go silver acid forward to someone's house real quick. And then we'll get the car fixed. Okay. Oh. Yeah, they've they've literally, oh. I think, had one transmission actually fixed in the past twenty years that we've had that contract, and the one that they got fixed, they didn't even like go out there like, oh, just put a used one in. <laughs> it's like, wow, uh, yeah. we got a couple people who are uh, striving to join in here, so I'm gonna awesome. They look like they're still getting their stuff set up. I think Constantine right. is. Um, I'm gonna add him in. Constantine, you there, buddy? Hey, I'm here. I think. Yeah, I can hear you, dude. Oh, uh, right. how do I awesome. sound? You you sound wow, one, good to me. Wide. Yeah, I'm, I I figured you know uh, go go widescreen with the third person here. Go wide um, or go home. <laughs> so um, this is this is unexpected, but that's okay. We're rolling with the shots here. Uh, Constantine is the person who literally beat me into becoming a libertarian. I mean, you know, literally. They say, they say ad hominem is not compelling to to most people, and although that is true, it was compelling for Jacob over the course of twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's um, it was literally, and it's still on Facebook to this day. Um, you can literally go. I, I could almost. Uh, it'd be funny to do a episode where I uh, uh, like go through that entire like day long conversation. But like, I mean, literally an entire day of Constantine and a couple other people just arguing with me, calling me a statist. I literally brought up the roads and Constantine was just like, okay, go no stop. Oh, Did you literally no. just bring up my roads? Did my you really roads! do it? <laughs> I got down a t-set. My roads. All right. I uh, think Alex uh, is joining without his camera. Let me see. Alex, you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Uh, I can. You're a little quiet, but I can. Oh, okay. I see you now. All right. Well, I managed to figure out how to switch to my front-facing camera. Can you hear me any better? Yeah, you're coming through pretty good. Yep. <laughs> cool. Sorry. That was a... Cool. Awesome. Um, so, um, yeah, I should let... Everyone knows me and Caleb because we've been here before, but I should let... I mean, I kind of introduced Constantine because he uh, is a good friend of mine. Constantine's basically the one who's responsible for me becoming an anarchist in the first place. Um, but Alex, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Alex. Uh, so I, some people may know me from Twitter as uh, Alex, uh, no kings but Christ on Twitter. Um, I've, uh, I've been a Christian anarchist for uh, probably about four years now. Um, I kind of slid down the, uh, the kind of libertarian rabbit hole for years kind of slowly inching my way towards uh, full-on radicalism. So it's been an interesting journey. 
Well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's always you know my my journey to anarchism and and Constantine can 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 vouch for this was um like after we had that day long conversation um I literally felt like Neo from the Matrix like I literally thought I was having an <laughs> existential crisis and I was just like you took the red pill I, yeah I I was literally like I'm 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 ready for the uh, the gay frogs and the inter interdimensional aliens at this point. Like, <laughs> it's super unpleasant, isn't it? Like, yeah. No, I, I, I literally, I was like, like literally, like using the Matrix analogy. I was like, I'm in the pod, and I'm like, oh no, 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 put it, put it back in my neck. Put, I want to go back. <laughs> I want to go back. <laughs> and 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 like the thing is like, it's you can't like I don't understand people who go back to statism. From from like, it, I try to lose it. Like like Austin Peterson. I don't I I don't know if he was ever an ANCAP, but I don't understand how you can go back to that because once like it it's it's like when when you eat the apple and and you you felt the shame and you realize that you're naked and you're like oh god <laughs> why am I naked you know and and I I don't think that you can you can come back which uh, I guess that's a that's that's a good analogy with 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 you people. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a very good you people. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's entirely dissimilar. I mean, so you could, for example, if you read the Old Testament and you read the the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt, right? They have literally watched God manifest as a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke, and go before them and part the Red Sea for them, and they've walked across on dry land, and they get to Mount Sinai. And Moses disappears into a cloud for a while, and the people get antsy, and they make a golden cow. Yeah, like literally five minutes like, later. <laughs> I mean, this this is yep. this is the ancient. I mean, it's, it's not exactly five minutes, but it sure feels that way reading the story. Right. Um, and you know, this is the ancient world that's full of you know many many different gods and many many different priesthoods worshiping many many different gods. Um, but uh, I imagine they would not be used to seeing the god of the universe manifest in that way um and so to be able to 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 turn to to fall off the wagon as it were which is a pretty a pretty dramatic understatement um that quickly is shocking um but i i think it's very instructive as to the way that our hearts can easily drift back and drift off um yeah. i have a good friend i have a good friend who's a huge um a huge thomas sowell fan um, he's kind of a traditional uh, conservative here in the D.C. area, which is where I'm based out of. And he runs an organization called Un Unhyphenated, Unhyphenated America, which is like a anti-identitarian. So he's a black man um, and basically hates the idea of, of the term African-American. Um, and he and I have had some great conversations and he'll he'll say things that I really agree with kind of philosophically, kind of one on one conversation. He'll say things like, you know, I have a lot of. Um, a lot of libertarian, you know, beliefs and leanings and things like that. But um, the reason that he's still a Republican and the reason that he's still a pretty mainstream conservative, Constantine, I have to agree. I think it was you who said this. He doesn't like to lose. He doesn't like the idea of being defeated politically. And so um, he, he is just, I mean, that idol of politics and nationalism is really tough to let go for modern uh, Western evangelicals. Well, and it's like this keeps repeating itself. Like it repeats itself later in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 8, when uh, literally it's it's like the golden calf 2.0, except instead of a 
a them erecting a a statue they literally go to samuel and they're like we want a king we want to be like all the other nations give us a king and god tells samuel like give them this very stern very like you know like look him in the eye like like you know tell him like this is some serious shit like this king is gonna be awful he's going to enslave you he's gonna take all your stuff he's gonna gonna make your your daughters yeah literally i will make i will make concubines of your daughters He's like, Straight you, up, will, cry, you will cry out for me in that day, and I will not deliver you. And they're just like, nah, nah we want a queen. We want a king. <laughs> so, and that's what people, like what you're saying, Alex, but they, that's, that's still what they're doing today. People are still making uh, idol, uh, idols out of uh, authority, out of politics, out of anything. Really, statism is just uh, another form of, of idolatry. And as much as I'm an anarchist because I believe in having the consistency of following do not murder and do not steal, which is in the nap, even I think somewhat even more primary than that. I'm an anarchist because of no King, but Christ, like in your name, because I don't want to bow down to any idols. I don't want to, I don't want to serve any masters except for God, who is the only true, only uh, right authority. Constantine, do you have something to say? Yeah. I mean, I was going to say that's actually, uh, there's no echo in here, is there? I, I walked in a different room. Oh, you're good. Okay, awesome. Um, but uh, that, that's the thing that I find so frustrating with with Republicans. I I was I I've been on every I've made a stop on every part of the political spectrum at this point, except maybe Ancom because I knew better. Um, <laughs> that's not a real position anyway. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> But, you know, as a, as a kid, I, I, I considered myself a staunch Democrat, you know, and socialist and all that fun stuff. And I started working and, and I started paying taxes. And then I realized that, hey, wait a minute, I, they're not supposed to they're, they're only supposed to tax the rich. Why am I being taxed? And then, you know, I, I got into firearm ownership and, and and just further down the rabbit hole I went. And then I came, you know, and, and in that I've, I, I spent so many times, so much time being a staunch conservative, which I mean, granted, you know, so much time I, I've spent, I think I was a Democrat for longer than I was a Republican, but, um, and, and the, the idea of this, this, this conflicting thought that you have to accept that, that, you know, as long as we elect all the right people, it's okay like when, when you guys were talking about immigration earlier, and this is this is the talking point that I have with Republicans, that if if you have border control and you have border security and you have this the semi permeable membrane that that is the border, who is in charge of the border? The Democrats. So now instead of having anyone and everyone that wants to come into this country because it is the land of opportunity, which is the reason that I am here. um, You have basically a semi-permeable membrane that basically the left gets to decide who wants to come in. And, And we can see that now, which is why they're, you know, they, everybody got quiet on, on Mexico, but everybody's really staunch and, Oh no, no, we can't let the Cubans in when, when the Mexicans were trying to come in, you know, oh, you know, these are people, and 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 they make the sacrifice, and and they get the coyotes, and and it's a and it's a choice that they make because they love their family so much, and and now they tell the Cubans, no, 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 you got to stay over there because because you know you might vote Republican or conservative or, or right wing or or whatever, 
and and that's basically the the argument that I make against um, border restrictions because you know that's exactly what happens. We get we get people that that they they allow in that they feel will vote for them, and rather than just kind of a, a blanket, you know, you know, y- y- you want to stop criminals, fine, you figure out a way to do it, okay. But like, I I don't even see that as as realistic. Yeah, but you're you're a Russian Jew, so of course you're for immigration. No. You're darn right, I am. <laughs> Hold up, the Jewish guy in the chat. I'm out. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> but, but isn't it appropriate? <laughs> Jewish people in the chat. I gotta put these on. Oh god. <laughs> Sorry, Constantine. I'm sure you're cool. Isn't it? Isn't it like the same thing? Like what you're saying, Constantine? It's like it's the immigration version of like when we uh, criticize people who are pushing for gun control by saying if you outlaw guns only outlaws will have guns and it's like if you try to restrict immigration and you're trying to keep certain people out well actually what you're probably going to do is the politicians are only going to let the people in that benefit them that's basically kind of what you're saying to 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 summarize it i think oh uh, yeah and and i mean and we see that happening right we don't we don't have people coming to this country from from these these places that lack literally lack economic opportunity um you know the 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 way to get into this country and i mean and again this is this is the argument that i make with conservatives all the time the the way to get into this country is really it's it's disgusting it's either either you sell yourself in you know you you do the whole russian bride thing which i think is really disgusting um or you literally win the lottery because there's an immigration lottery like that's a thing it's that's a ridiculous thing but that's a thing or um you have to be very very wealthy like you can literally buy your way into a visa like through legitimate channels and and like and i'm sure there's like a couple other like you know you know not so common ways to get in but like the reality is like the three main ways to gain legal entry into this country is disgusting flat. Like it, it is legitimately gross. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you know, and, and it's a, a lot of the arguments for I mean, like Caleb, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to pick on you, but like, you know, earlier mm-hmm. in the stream, you were saying like, well, you know, like I'm okay with open borders, but I think we just have to eliminate the the welfare state first i know that that used to be my position too um or, or it was like i think we need to eliminate the welfare state and and the war on drugs first because i was like if we have an open border and we still have the war on drugs we're just allowing the drug cartels and the sex trafficking to go completely unrestricted so um that th- those were my arguments but um i, I feel like you know like a, a better way to put it than i put it earlier is just um you can't centrally plan decentralization you know what i mean like um i mean what are, what are your thoughts on that i mean and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot i know you're kind of um I, i'm not trying to say you you are for for closed borders or whatever but i mean what, what do you think about what what uh, constantine said no I, um on the border issue i never really put much thought into it you know like i'm the more and more the more and more i'm listening to y'all talking more i'm like huh probably wrong on that one you know probably wrong <laughs> Well, it's an easy one to get. Yeah, specifically when Constantine was like, uh, they want the Democrats, whoever control gets to import what voters they want. I'm like, ooh. My point was like, they said to import voters, and now it's like, no, it's just people in power getting to import their own voters. So uh, he took my own argument and made it against me. So 
Hats off to you, Constantine. You did. A, I don't know if you know did it or not, but you got me there. Uh, yeah. So I always go to the topic. That. I'm still if I. Uh, this is, yeah, Constantine's really good this at just, exposing uh, exposing like logical fallacies and making you argue yeah. against yourself. I should know. That's one of those positions that's probably just a holdover from my uh, conservative days. You know, there's a few things where like, I haven't really thought about from a liberty perspective, uh, anarchist perspective yet. And then we bring it up, I go, oh, let me think. What do I think about this now? Because I know what I thought before. What do I think now? And I got to kind of readjust it. And so oh, I, that's I why totally I wanted to get holdovers. So. Well, like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm only my... about a month in this, to probably only a year into this anarchist philosophy. So, yeah. so we'll no, like, out. The, the cognitive dissonance is real. I mean, I wake up in the morning and before I get like my first uh, sip of coffee, I'm probably still a statist. <laughs> like I have to wake up and 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 kind of like. I mean, because like Constantine said, I've been all over the political map. I mean, I, I was a Bernie Sanders supporter, and then I was like a big Ben Shapiro fan, and now I'm a a, a, a radical ANCAP. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've been, a, I've been uh, across the political spectrum. Um, but I, I know Shapiro immigration was – immigration was something that was hard for me. But another thing – and this has come up in my mind because I'm in the middle of listening to uh, – Austin Peterson on Joshua Smith, uh, Smith's show, but they were talking about like World War II and 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 the dropping of the bombs in, in Japan. I know that was something that was hard for me to to understand the the anarchist position on too, because I was just like, well, I mean, you know, the Nazis were evil, and 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 the Japan needed to be stopped, and you know, it's just it's so conditioned into our heads that yeah you know, the justification of dropping those, those nuclear bombs. And that was something that was hard for me to, to, to come to, uh, you know, the anarchist position on because like there's, and this is something that might be interesting for all of us to talk about. And um, it's interesting having Constantine here because he's, he's a a Jewish, not Christian. So he brings a little bit of a a different perspective, but I've always struggled with the, um, being a, a religious person, believing in the Bible, and our the anarchist position of being anti-war, it sometimes on the surface seems to be in conflict with the Old Testament and how much war God seems to issue. And like I've heard the justifications about like you know well how evil the Canaanites were and God had waited for the perfect time to where their sin had basically been completed. They were beyond repentance, and and God used Israel to to, to bring justice. Um, you know, there's uh, I've heard a lot of the apologetics arguments and stuff, but it it, it it seems to me like, OK, but we're saying like even if we wanted to say those were just wars, what we're saying, like it just it feels like we are giving up the idea that, well, there are just wars and yeah. you can be justified in wiping out an entire civilization or entire group of people, even people who aren't in the military. Like, you know, they they killed you know, they were told to, to wipe out everybody. So it, that kind of stuff can make it h- harder, I think, on the surface for the, uh, you know, anarcho-Christians or anarcho-Jewishes, I don't know, <laughs> anarcho-Jews. Um, to, anarcho-Jews. Yeah. When, <laughs> the anarcho-Semites. When to go to war, I'll go to war. But so far, I haven't heard him say much. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's, I, and that's that what means. I usually go back to, too, is like, you know, well, God had a direct command for that, mm-hmm. and he hasn't given us one. So that that's definitely mm-hmm. a good a good counter argument, but then and it's I'll like, all right, you, well, I have heard, I have, I have, I, I have what I believe was an actual message from God and a command and desire to do something. 
And I was beginning to make preparations uh, of, of following that commandment, which was just he- which was heading to Israel. And uh, once I had begun making the uh, the preparations, the feeling went away. So I don't know if this was a kind of a binding of Isaac situation where God just wanted to see if I right. if I would listen. Um, but there was a there was a I felt a sincere and genuine like hey. I need you to do this. And, and then there was a, 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 the opposite of that. So, you know, I don't think God is, is calling me to battle right now. If he does in the future, then I will go. Um, but you know, there, there is your, your pro war. And, and truthfully, I, you know, I, I see war as a defensive measure and only a defensive measure. Um, you know, I, I think North Korea is, an awful, horrendous, terrible place. Uh, that being said, I, I think that bombing North Korea is a bad idea for the yeah. sake of North Koreans. Uh, I think even, you know, I can understand arguments in favor of bombing Japan. I feel like there were probably better targets because what that was was a enormous display of force that was them pulling their pants down, slapping it, sticking it on the table, and saying, "I am coming for you. This is what I'm going to use." Well, yeah, uh, in World play, War Two, um, in World War Two, uh, when they first had the first bomb, uh, the parents like, "Hey, we'll be, we're willing to surrender. Just give us a few days to work some things out, and maybe they'll impose stay in place." And um, FDR had convinced the Allies to adopt his stupid unconditional surrender policy. And they're like, nope, you either surrender or you don't. And uh, the president's like, uh, well, we want to. We just like a few caveats. And America's like, well, we're going to nuke your civilians now and give you no choice. This is post. I mean, yeah. This is absolutely, really? it was absolutely horrendous. And if it was just about like displaying power, like couldn't they have just dropped the bombs in unpopulated areas just to be like, hey, look, like you, you, you don't mm-hmm. need to actually kill people to show like, hey, uh, big big bomb go boom. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just if you if you just wanted to make the point of like we make we make thing go boom. You know you could have done that. You know out on the outskirts still would have had some fallout and stuff like that, but nowhere near the the uh, the casualties of of completely innocent uh, civilians and stuff, and probably still would have you know convinced Japan to surrender. You know seeing that kind of tremendous explosion. Yeah. I don't think that the loss of life is what compelled them because the same amount of lives might have been lost in the next five years of war so it's not like they needed to have that many people die it was just like the at that point in time such destructive weapons of mass destruction being displayed is what you know i think really pushed them into the surrender could be i could have misremembering this but i believe they they asked america if they could surrender like in august or something like a couple months before the bombing america said no I could be misremembering that, but I remember I read that someone from like Robert Higgs. Or no, I think there was a couple numbers. times that they wanted to surrender, yeah. but they wanted to surrender with conditions. And yeah, it was like, yeah, no, it has to be unconditional surrender. God, I mean, this is the worst. I mean, this is like, yeah, go ahead, Alex. It's funny. I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually a veteran. I'm working on my 18th year in the Navy, actually, which is a very interesting place to be as a radical pacifist anarchist um it's uh it's tough but it's how i feed my wife and four kids so i feel a little stuck but um we were i'm actually out of town at a school right now and we were talking about this in class 
and it's it's interesting to observe people's thought process. Um, something that I said a while back, I think I put it on Facebook or something like that, was that everyone is familiar with the phrase, you know, history is written by the winners. Um, and so, therefore, shouldn't we be highly skeptical of the history taught to us by the most empire, uh, powerful empire that has ever existed on planet Earth, mm-hmm. right? So one of the problems that the nuking of Japan, uh, one of the problems is, is the way in which that conversation is framed. Um, what I grew up believing, because of what I was taught in school, because what military historians will teach you, was that the reason nuking Japan was necessary was because um, otherwise they would not have surrendered and a ground, you know, amphibious and ground invasion of the Japanese islands would have been incredibly costly in both American and Japanese lives. That's, that's what's kind of thrown at you as justification. It's like a utilitarian argument, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the problem is that that's a false choice. What is you're, you're, you're assuming that there are only two options there. Right. And I, I almost never have heard anyone question that. Um, the war was effectively over. Japan had, no navy what few aircraft they had left they were putting people in to fly suicide into our ships um they had almost no territory outside of their main island that they controlled um we could have just walked away we could have said i don't care if you surrender this war is clearly over we clearly won don't try this again um and dropping those nukes was like if you got in a bar fight and the fight drifted out to the outside and uh, you have clearly won this fight, the guy is laying on the ground, bloodied, I mean, effectively unconscious. And then just, just in case maybe someday he gets up again and, and gets himself together and decides mm-hmm. he wants to fight you some more, just to prevent that, you decide to put a bullet in his head. Yeah. Like everyone watching that would find that horrible, yes. horrible. <laughs> Right. But you know, but, but but morality changes when it's a bunch of people, right? Like that. Right. That, that's why right. I don't get is like people have this weird, like like nationalism is this weird mind virus where actions that we would condemn easily condemn on a small scale become justified because of the large scale, and it's just like I don't, I don't, I don't like I I get it because I used to believe it. But now that I have woken up to, you know, like, like having that programming, you know, like taken out of my consciousness, it's like, I don't understand how people can continue to, to not see through that. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. if it's, if it's wrong to do it to one person, it's wrong to do it to a thousand people or 10,000 people um, or an entire country of people. Um, if, if anything, I think. I think morality and using force becomes more dubious and, and even harder to justify when you deal with groups of people. Like it, it can sometimes in, in the most, like I'm not a, I'm not a, a pacifist in the sense of like, I don't completely reject the defensive or like retaliatory use of force. Um, although I, I prefer to use the least violent or nonviolent measures possible if, if I can think of them. But if I'm dealing with somebody who's like literally like a mass shooter, and it's just like one person in a mall, just just open shooting on everybody. I got my Glock on me. I, I might feel some pangs of like, I don't want to take a life in my heart. But 
I would, I would probably, you know, in that instant do what was necessary and, uh, deal with the consequences, but probably even if I was, and I'm sure like it would be traumatic. Like, I don't think I would just go to sleep that night like a baby, but I would feel justified in doing that in the long run. Um, and, and I could make a moral, like, you know, justification for somebody else doing it. But if there was a group of, of people and I couldn't tell who it was, it's like when it, when, when you're talking about a group of people and you can't clearly separate those who are responsible from those who aren't responsible, um, it just, you know, I mean, it becomes murkier or it's like, you can't tell so you, where the shooter so is a grenade into the midst of all. Right. Them. It's like, it's, or, or like there's a mass shooter somewhere in the crowd there. So I'm just going to eh, just start shooting. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't do that. You'd be like, no, that's, you, yeah. you have to be careful. And the, the more, the more variables and the more people you throw at it, the more caution you have to uh, use. So, yeah. So, so it, yeah, it's just, made, it's made all the worse, all the worse by the fact that, America provoked the Japanese into that war. I mean, the, Japan, the Japanese are absolutely at fault. Like, if you're in a bar and I am repeatedly sexually harassing your girlfriend right next to you, and eventually you punch me in the nose, yes, you are wrong for punching me in the nose. But to pretend that I have no fault in this situation is just ludicrous, right? So yeah. similarly, it's made all the worse by the fact that America provoked the Japanese into attacking them and it, there's a lot of evidence that they knew Pearl Harbor was coming and let yeah. it happen. Oh, yeah. Because well, I mean, they, they just conveniently moved they, a lot of their ships to the closest military base to Japan before yeah, the so, attack, after doing all these trade embargoes and, and all that. Even, <laughs> even if America didn't, or even if the military industrial complex didn't know for a fact the exact details of Pearl Harbor, they wanted mm -hmm. something to happen. Well, it's like 9 11, right? It's like, I don't, I don't believe that, like, I, I mean, there might've been intelligence reports, who knows, but like, I don't, I, I, I don't believe the whole 9-11 was an inside job, but it's like, we definitely knew that blowback was going to happen at some point. Yeah. Like the intelligence community was not stupid. Like they knew that, that at some point, I think that this is going to happen and this is going to be, you know, be used as justification for us to, to go in there and continue our, our agendas. Yeah. Constantly. I, I, I think I met an Iraqi gentleman at a coffee shop here in DC a while back. I forget his name, um, but it was it was very interesting to get a firsthand account of of what the human suffering is that's caused by empire. So um, we were just chatting, and I found out he's from Iraq, and so I asked him about that. And for whatever reason, he felt uncomfortable. He felt comfortable sharing all this with me. But he grew up in. Um, I forget the name of the large Iraqi city uh, in northern Iraq, um, but it is the capital of the northern region. So beneath Kurdistan, so the the last, basically the last area you before you run into where the Kurds live. Um, so he grew up there. So he was a Sunni, um, and he was in college uh, between uh, Iraq War One and Two, basically when there was like crippling sanctions on the country of Iraq, and he lost his mother and several, um, several other family members due to lack of access to medicine. Um, when he was in college, he said his, his, he was so skinny due to lack of food that he could see his arms, uh, his bones and his forearm um, very clearly through his skin. Um, and then when the Iraq war kicked off, he decided to, uh, because he spoke English, to be an interpreter um, for the American forces there in Iraq. Um, 
So he did that for a while um, and was running around with uh, American fire teams there in his capital city. Um, and he remembers just kind of observing the way that they were and the way they behaved. Um, he remembers being on a rooftop one day and one Marine that he was with just said, man, I just want to shoot somebody, you know? And he, he remembers looking at him and going, you, you want to shoot me? You know, you can shoot me. Do you want to shoot me? And it was kind of a shocking conversation. Uh, the next day, his uh, brother's wife was pregnant. Um, and he is, his brother and his wife were heading to the hospital because she'd gone into labor um, and got a little too close to an American checkpoint that mistook them for, the, for a threat and lit the car up. Uh, his brother survived, but his pregnant wife and the infant inside of her were both killed. Um, so he decided that he was done being an interpreter for the U.S. forces, moved down to Baghdad and started working as a journalist. Um, and the more I've learned about kind of what happened in Baghdad um, with the sectarian violence, listening to Scott Horton, I realized I better understand why this happened to him. But while he was down there, um, he, was a, uh, he was a journalist um, and he was doing that until his cameraman got kidnapped and then executed and then decided, okay, I'm done with this. And luckily he had a girlfriend who was from Syria, who was a Syrian American who managed to get him out of the country. Um, and I, it was just like a nonstop horror show of this man's life. Um, and when you read like the, the, the list of grievances um, from Al Qaeda and from the hijackers, like this is the kind of stuff that they list, the kind of things that, that the American empire had been doing. Um, and uh, I remember I was in high school when 9-11 happened. It was, it was was a large part of why I joined the military. I, I graduated high school just two years later. Um, and looking back, like we, we had no idea why that happened. Mm. Like not, not the slightest clue. Like what, what's their problem? Why do they, they hate, hate us, us for our know? freedoms? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and look at like once, once you understand what's happening, um, it's, it's amazing how effective the propaganda machine is to, to basically pacify or domesticate the American population into being useful idiots. Yeah. The context is, is important with, with everything. I mean, look at, uh, and, and I hate, I hate to bring them up in, in a group of libertarians, but I mean, look at what they did to Trump, you know, and, and I, I didn't vote for Trump in either term. Uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of Trump and, and I have to say this every single time I bring up Trump. Um, but the, but the reality is, um, you know, sure. He said some, some stupid stuff, but most of the stuff was, was no different than your average boomer. And what they did is they took everything out of context. So when you take history out of context, all you see is they hate us for our freedom, which don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I'm, I, there's there's no way that you could ever get me to side with terrorists because that's uh, and and truthfully I, I have a problem with the 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 bomb being dropped on Japan because what is the difference between uh, fair game target and and a terrorist attack right like it's it's a military strike point so if you know if you work on a military base you should you should really make peace with the fact that you're on a tactical strike point you are fair game in the event of war it is what it is um and and you know but if you work at a library 
you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you shouldn't necessarily have to make peace with that. Right. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, or, or you, you, you work at Best Buy like I did, you know, it's, that's not a place that you would expect a, uh, a, a, a nuclear weapon to be dropped on. So, you know, so I, I, I don't think terrorism is, is ever okay, but with, with the, the context of history, you could at least understand why things happen. I mean, and, and even then, you know, the, in terms of Japan, I, I think that was, that was inappropriate, but if you, you, you know, you look at nine 11, I still think that was, that was wrong. But if you look at pictures of, of, you know, Afghanistan in the sixties, it was indistinguishable from, you know, uh, uh, London, um, yeah. aside from the people look a little different, but the hairstyles were the same. The clothes were the same. And, and, you know, that's, uh, that's something that I, I like to, to point out to people, you know, look at, look at what Afghanistan used to look like until the CIA decided that they were going to, uh, improve the situation out there. And, uh, you know, they, I don't know who they improved it for. Um, but for us, know. well, for, for <laughs> them, for, not, I mean, not for uh, you and me, but for, but for American interests and North, the, North the, of Grumman, Raytheon, Boeing, right. For our freedom. I don't know how it got over there for democracy to get them democracy. God guys. Well, they had to bring our freedom back from over there. I think that's what it was because, you know, I, I I respect uh, a lot of our military and, and I, I I generally don't give them a hard time because I understand that, that the people that enlist or the people that, that seek a commission, they, uh, they go in because they see it as they are doing the right thing. Same as law enforcement. People join, Mm -hmm law enforcement not because they want to shoot people that look different than them but they they do it because they think that they're they're doing the right thing and they want to serve their community just like people that, mm. that join the military they want to serve their country unfortunately yeah. you know i think it's the leadership that that bears the the burn of the shame because they you know what they have a more complete picture than the than the marine that's sent in and a huge and very very powerful tactic that is is you know I, that is that is taught to, to anybody that's a professional we'll call a shooter or anybody that's uh you know um in the business of of security um they they're taught to dehumanize the enemy right that that person that's that's not bob that's not steve that's that's a terrorist that's a bad guy that's you know and and that's they don't they don't give them names they they just that's a bad guy that's a perp that's a whatever and um and you know that's really really powerful so when you get a, a, like the the marine alex in the story that you shared you know the marine i just want to shoot something because that guy's been revved up for months you know with somebody screaming in his ear that the enemy is coming and you need to protect your family and you need to protect everybody that you know and love and that person, that is the enemy. And that's the word that they use. They use enemy. And, and you know, when, when you look one way and other people look another way, and truthfully, you know, I, I, I you know, it, that's, that's awful and it's, that's a, a terrible story. But I can understand why that happened because there are, there are other instances where people get to a checkpoint and they blow up the vehicle, you know. And that's that's a thing that happens. And and MRAPs are not as resilient as we wish they were. So the the reality is, you know, it's it's awful. It's and it's terrible. And 
continuing to fan and pour fuel on the fire is not improving the situation. And I am, I'm not a pacifist. I do not call myself a pacifist. I, I don't even like the term, but at some point, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta retreat in a different direction or not, or I'm sorry, advance in a different direction and realize that, you know, maybe doing nothing is the most productive thing at all. Um, because otherwise all they're doing is, is fanning the flames. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's like yeah. what, G- I mean, I know you're not, I mean, I'm, I'm quoting from the second book that you're, you're, you're still in like, you're using internet Explorer. So the, the new Testament's like stuck in the loading screen for you, but <laughs> no, no, you're, you're, but... you're quoting from the fan fiction one. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but, but I like what Jesus says, which I mean, and a lot of what Jesus said to, to you know, to be fair is reflecting things from the old Testament. But um, Jesus said, do not repay evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. And to me, that, that doesn't, that doesn't translate to pacifism for me, but it does mean, um, whatever my response is to evil, it can't look like what I'm opposing. Like, like what, what, what I, my, our response to, to what is evil, to what is wrong, to what is authoritarian can't just be, um, meeting, you know, like with like, you know what I mean? Like there, there has to be something, something greater driving your, your motives. And it has to be not about escalation, not about just like, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth it has to be like let's examine the context of the situation and let's figure out do we bear any responsibility in this uh is there is there anything contributing to this that we can can address and you know there, there, there's like two things going on like like yes you want to end violence and sometimes to end violence i do think that there is some role and and i think required role for people who are brave and who, who feel the call to do so to put their themselves in the front lines and to go, you know, meet people who are committing active evil head on to restrain them. Um, you know, for me, it's not about revenge. It's not about hating people. It's not about, you know, you shouldn't be driven with like a bloodlust to kill people, but, but, but people who are brave, who want to go to the front lines of where there's chaos, where there's uh, evil going on and, and want to rescue the innocent, from the clutches of those who want to do harm. Like I, I want to encourage that people, uh, that in people and want to encourage people who have that calling to, to find the right calling. But the problem is uh, they, they, they feel that calling and then they, they attach it to the state. They attach it to our military mm-hmm. and the mythos around it. And of course they, they get, uh, you know, b- brainwashed and, uh, you know, led into doing a lot of awful, uh, you know, support either, either, actively or passively uh, supporting a, a, war, a, a war machine that uh, has co- contributed to the genocide and the deaths of, of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people over the last, you know, however many decades. Um, but, but beyond that, um, I, I think that when you restrain the evil, then you can't just like continue to escalate things. You have to, you have to look at the broader picture and, you know, at some point, it's like, and I agree with you, Constantine. It's like I, I'm not picking the side of the terrorists here. I, I don't have to pick either side. Like to me, as an anarchist, I'm kind of looking at uh, what American foreign policy did, and then the blowback of the terrorists as like rival gangs going after each other. And I don't pick the side of either, but I can tell who shot first. 
I can tell this one is reacting to the other one who is the bigger bully and who's being oppressive. And yeah, the other one is going too far in their response to not like, cause it, it's not like they're just going after the people responsible. They are escalating. They are repaying evil for evil. Right. So it's not that I support them in repaying in that process, but I understand where it comes from. I understand that it's like Ron Paul talked about, like, you know, blowback is, is a thing. That's going to happen. You can't occupy people's nations and bomb their civilians and just expect that that nothing is going to happen. And our intelligence agencies are not stupid. Like they they knew they know what they're doing. They know blowback's going to happen mm-hmm. and they want it to happen because the more that they can sell to the American public, you know, how much, you know, how, how scary terrorism is and justify the war on terrorism, the more they can continue in the bullshit that they're engaged in. Because, um, like, my theory is that um, the only way our bubble economy has survived this long, like, talking about, like, you know, kind of, like, referencing the Federal Reserve and the money printer go burr, and, like, you know, how 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 is the dollar, you know, not crashed completely? Why are people still using it? Why are people still lending us money? Um, you know, how can we keep on keeping interest rates the way they are it's because we basically hold more than half the world in our in our palms we have military bases everywhere and we continue to justify all these foreign policy maneuvers because we always make sure there's a boogeyman to go against whether it's afghanistan or iraq or now it's seemingly iran um you know we always make sure that there's there's a big bad boogeyman hiding under the bed or in the closet that we justify the the ever-growing, ever-present empire of of America in in the world, and as long as America keeps that 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 power and that that you know monopoly control over so much of the world, uh, having having that major influence and military presence, they can get a lot of get away with a lot of economic fuckery. To be just completely mm-hmm. blunt. Yeah. 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 Hey guys, thanks for uh, letting me hop in. I gotta hit the rack. Yeah, thanks for thanks for two, uh, hopping nice in, Alex. Nighty night. We need more of you guys in the service. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, we are we are getting up here in an hour, so we'll probably call it quits soon. But um, but Caleb, Constantine, was there any uh, last last things you wanted to say or comment on? Or um, one that story about uh, the Iraqi guy he met that uh, but the but his brother and the that whole thing that uh. That hurt me a little bit. I think it hurt everyone. Anyone who could hear it, he doesn't get hurt. He's got a problem. Um, no, join the whole military thing. This is a very big issue for me because I, I, I was about I was going to join last year. Uh, COVID knocked me off track of the plan. So it was, uh, you know, until about six months ago, I was full blown. Go over there, got to kill. Exact words I think I used at one point were, "What a brown." So. Uh, Scott was a jokingly one, but still, this this wrapped in that culture of we gotta defend our freedoms and uh, everyone over the terrorist. And if you're Islamic, you're a terrorist. That was my stupid pre-COVID brain. Um, it's and, 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 and I'm not God forbid, like Scott yeah. Owen, you know. And it's not even like I still have criticisms for the religion of of, of Islam, and it's not you know yeah. it's not a religion that that I would advocate for or or you know say as a you know like a zero sum influence as far as like you know in that equation but i can't help but notice that there's 
you know, if if all Muslims were terrorists, I mean, the world would be blown up by now because there's like how many I forget like there's there's millions and billions of yeah. of of Muslims in this world all over the place. Yeah. And um, I don't agree with their religion and everything they do, but yeah, they're they're clearly i think like even if you wanted to say like you know okay maybe the religion contribute like some of the more radical parts of the quran and stuff are make it easy easier for conditions to be uh capitalized on but you have to have those conditions first you know what i mean like yeah if you bomb the crap out of these countries and keep these people in poverty forever and 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 occupy them and do all this stuff then yeah it turns out people are more uh open to being radicalized by different movements and stuff when it's like hey are you tired of like these like jackasses like you know being here and and blowing all our crap up and and influencing our stuff like you know so then they they come to these people and i mean it's it it's on a completely different scale it's like you know i, I always talk about how the the left created the alt right like the left created the trump movement because they were uh going after people with all this SJW stuff and calling pe- white people racist and bigots and all that. And then someone like Trump co- comes along and these alt-right people come <clears throat> along and they capitalize on it with, and they actually say like, you know, well, you know, people are calling you racist and bigot and all that, but you know, actually like, you know, you should embrace your white heritage and you should embrace white pride. And, and, you know, you know, maybe Europe is for Europeans and they, they push all this stuff on people. And because they're uh, under all that kind of like, you know, social persecution, they're more amenable to that kind of radicalization. Yeah. And the same well, thing is happening, I, I would say, in the Middle East with, with Muslims. Well, yeah, if you're a definitely. racist, if, if you're labeled a racist, whether you're a racist or not, so you know, then what is the consequence of entertaining the thought? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, this side effect is like, if you're labeled a racist, who's going to accept you besides other actual, actual racists, you know? Like it, it right. forces you into the circle of people who's only going to accept you. It's also ostracized, and some people ostracized with good reason, you know. And so, right. I mean, and if you ostracize half of the nation, mm-hmm. you know, then yeah, then yeah. you know, it's 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 like the the problem I have with everything being you know somebody labeling everything you know anti-Semitic that that drives me nuts when when mm-hmm. people you know because if if. If everything is anti-Semitic, then nothing is anti-Semitic. If everything is like the Nazis, then nothing is like the Nazis. Yeah, I get. Uh, that's probably my biggest pet peeve when, because like Nazi means something very specific to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it, 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 yeah, it's especially irritating when you, Dave Smith, and a bunch of other people I know are Jews in a caucus named after a Jew, but we're alt-right Nazis. You know, there, <laughs> there's not many people that get to claim every part of the spectrum because Jews gave us capitalism and communism. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. funny. Um, yeah, well, I think that's um, uh, about I mean, if you guys had anything else to comment on quick, but uh, we're about an hour and 10 years. So okay, Thursday okay, night. Ahead. Thursday night, I am recording with Shane Hazel about public schools, uh, and I'm going to try to do it live. And so, everyone come to my channel and check that out. Hopefully, hopefully Shane's internet's fixed by then. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, Lord willing. If not, hopefully I'll no more dump. Try... Yeah, hopefully no if more not, dump trucks come down his road and knock out all of his internet lines on Thursday. <laughs> that is a real problem in 2021. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, I see Thursday, I'm going to be on uh, Break the Cycle with Josh Smith. Um, so that, that's Oof. exciting. Looking forward to that. Uh, Saturday, I am going to be on Blackbird with James Gentleman. And then uh, I got a lot of things coming up. I don't remember the dates after this week. I got Angela McArdle coming on in August. Nice. And yep. And uh, I'm going to get Shane back on at some point. And Constantine, mm-hmm. I think you're coming on the 27th. I think, or something like that. I, I don't think, know. I we'll, think so. It was either a Tuesday or a Thursday. One or the yeah. other. Yep. And, and you'll, you'll be here. I'll have to make room in my, my little basement studio here for you. <laughs> we'll do it in person. Cause Constantine lives in my area. So we'll have a, cool. uh, yeah. I can sit in so, your lap. You can sit in my, <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Oh, all right. Well, one thank more you thing. guys for, um, Oh, go one ahead. One more thing real quick. Uh, Oh, and, over the course of August, I'm recording a bunch of Star Wars stuff. And so if you want to see a bunch of cool Star Wars libertarian content in September, go subscribe to my channel. Because it's all going to be a September is a whole month of Star Wars episodes. I got like 16 planned. So if you want to check that out, go ahead and subscribe. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Make sure you subscribe to uh, Caleb's uh, The Catholic Libertarian. You can find him on uh, Twitter, YouTube, and all that. And obviously me, Daniel 3, Biblical Anarchy. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. And uh, I'm also on uh, Anchor FM. So spotify apple podcast google podcast i mean just every podcast app you could imagine i mean podcast apps i didn't even know existed i'm on now so you can go (laughs) you can go isn't capitalism wonderful have like 30 different uh apps that play the same thing but you know it's it's just like when you go to it's like cheesecake factory you know what i mean it's like i i I want 50 different ways to have my pasta made damn it like (laughs) From a place named Cheesecake Factory. Right. <laughs> I remember the first time I went to a Cheesecake Factory, they brought the menu out. I was like, this is a book. I don't want to do reading. I'm here to eat. What is wrong with you? Isn't capitalism great where you can go to a place, order food, and then get it that same day? That same <laughs> moment? But 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 here's a better idea. Communism where you don't get food. Well, but you have bread lines. And the best part about those lines is at the end of them, oftentimes, if you're lucky and early enough, there's bread. <laughs> Dude, you, uh, like, I just looked, I went to my obscure podcasting app and you're right here. It's absurd. Even the cast box went like an absurd one like that. You're still, you, what do you, yeah, anchor, you anchor? Anchor FM. It's uh, free. You can put your stuff on there for free. Yeah, I'm gonna start using that because I I saw I saw yeah. I legit assumed everyone like went to each thing and uploaded individually. No, like I didn't know it was a thing you could do. No, yeah, Anchor gives wow. you an RSS feed and puts it out. Pretty much, I have yet to come across an app that I'm not on. If you can find me wow. one, let me know, and I'll go. I'll go complain to the free service that I'm using because that's what wow. that's what capitalism is, right? It's getting stuff for free. And still being entitled and, and, and throwing a bitch fit about it. Pretty much. That's American, at least. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks, fun. everybody, who tuned in and for hopping on. And uh, I'll, uh, yeah, again, break the cycle Thursday, James Gentleman Saturday, and got some stuff going on next week. So stay tuned in. And uh, thanks again. Have a good night. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.